Uh, well, this morning, I want to talk about repentance. Uh, that's kind of a heavy concept. Uh, it's a big theme. And I know you're thinking that after this um, past several hard months, why do we want to talk about something hard, right? Uh, let me help you with that a little bit this morning. Uh, I want to give you some pastoral guidance. Uh, we finished our series on First Peter. We're going to start a new series uh, next week for the next few weeks on community and building community as a church and just as a people. Uh, but I just wanted to take a, a one sermon here to give some pastoral guidance to what's going on in your life and, you know, where we kind of go forward from here. Uh, haven't you had that moment in the past, maybe several times, moments in the past year and a half, maybe even a couple months, uh, that you kind of stop and say, what do I do with all this? The world is literally different, changed as we know it. I actually thought about 9-11 recently, and I thought, man, I remember being a college student when 9-11 happened. And then since then, seeing how our world changed, the world was never the same again post-9-11, okay? Uh, you think about how fears now, the amount of fear people have, you don't feel secure, safe, all these things. I'm not going, man, this pandemic, this worldwide thing is literally life-changing in such a drastic way that I don't know the world will ever be the same. Will COVID ever go away? We don't know. Um, you know, all of the variants that come out. Uh, will people ever want to feel safe with other people again? Right? People carry this thing, right? Uh, you know, as we've had to change so many things, I mean, what do we do with all this? Right now, as I've thought about uh, things that are ahead, thinking about schools you know, coming back together in about a month or so, uh, thinking about the Delta variant and how our Oregon cases alone are like skyrocketing kind of thing. And I had un unsubscribed from all this stuff, of all the numbers and stuff for like a couple months, but then this started happening. I'm here, I'm like, let me subscribe again to see what's going on. You know, what do we do with all this? The confusion, the fear, the worry. Um, anybody else exhausted from even the trying to figure out what's safe or not for me? What's safe or not for my family? What's safe or not for my friends? What's safe or not for my church, right? It's tiring. What can and can I do? Uh, and what are people going to think about what I do? That thing, too, is exhausting. Think about the isolation. I know this summer, for, for me and my family, we're starting to engage again with people in, in some different ways, uh, small ways, but just trying to do that. And now this is happening again. I'm like, oh, maybe we stop all that and we go back to not having any kind of connection, physically, in person kind of thing. I don't know. Um, and I just think that as we think about and see these things that are happening around us and then we start being aware of what's going on inside of us. If you're to be honest with yourself and just take a look at yourself and how you reacted and responded to this past year, all the things that have happened politically and with COVID and everything else going on and other things in your personal life that nobody knows about, but uh, if you really take a good look at that, it could be that your worst came out over this past year. Maybe you take a look at how you suffered, and you didn't suffer really well. You suffered with bitterness. You lashed out at somebody because you're angry and hurt. You, a word slipped, some things you said shouldn't have said, right? You typed that thing on social media, and then you went back a day later and deleted it. Thank God you can delete that, but some people saw it, right? Uh, you know, things that you wish you would have said in that moment and then didn't say if you really think about this past year, when you were squeezed, when things got tight, when convenience and comfort was removed away, when people started getting into your business, telling you what to do, right? 
In those moments, how'd you do? And personally, as I look at this, man, I look, some of my worst came out towards the kids, my wife, my own inner thoughts. I'm like, what's happening right now? And I want to help you with that part. Because we continue to face this and what's ahead. Um, there's maybe some other things that may come out for you. And when our worst comes out, you know, we, we realize in that moment we didn't choose better. We didn't choose a better response. We didn't have the space. We didn't have the emotional space to just wait for a second and then think and then say something. You know, the Bible talks about being quick to listen and slow to speak. Why is that so hard for us, right? Um, and it says, well, what's the way forward? And I want to tell you today that the way that we move forward is turning to God. That sounds very intangible, so I'm going to try to make it tangible and practical today. The way forward is not to begin to get everything around you back to what is safe for you. The way forward is not to make everything around you comfortable for you again. The way forward is not to figure out a way to be happy again. It's not the way forward. The way forward is not to figure out to and things around you to say, okay, how do I feel good again? How do I feel secure? How do I feel happy again? How do I get, figure out ways to get what I want again? That's actually not the way forward. When we are in these moments of as challenging as this pandemic really truly is, and some of you have lost loved ones, you know, some of you know people got sick and been through that. I mean, that's some heavy stuff. And as you're facing those things, the way forward is not to pretend to think we can fix what we're not empowered to fix, but rather to turn to God. And when we turn to God, there is something that happens. Repentance is a turn from our way and what we're doing and turning to God and to trust Him through that. And so I want to talk this morning about repentance as a discipline. Just like prayer is, just like reading scripture is, just like silence is as a rhythm, uh, just like journaling is for me, that's a spiritual discipline for me, uh, just like fasting is, all these different disciplines that we have, Sabbath is a discipline, it's like all these different things that we do. I believe repentance actually is a discipline. It's an exercise. It's a practice. It's a rhythm that will bring us closer to God and will bring about our greater uh, connection to God, which is really what we need to be about anyhow. And I'm saying that if we take the view that God created you and me and created this world and he created each other and created us and created this community, then he, if he truly is the sovereign one in the center, that if we turn to him, then everything else Okay, then everything else will be in its proper perspective. And then everything else going around a side of us is under his sovereignty. And so as we turn to him and his guidance, he will help us with all these things we're feeling. I want to tell you, it is God's desire for you to experience joy, peace, love, and fruits of the Spirit through this past year and a half. But I'm just going to guess that what, that wasn't on the top of your list. It was a struggle to find joy. It was a struggle to find patience, right? It was a struggle to find peace when every time on the news it's different, right? It was a struggle to find peace when in our own town, you know, protests happening. Is it, can I take my kids to Portland for dinner? What can we do? Well, you know, it's a struggle to do those things this past year. And I want to tell you that uh, we live in this world that's going to have a lot of challenges. And repentance, turning towards God, is our opportunity 
to experience some healing inside of our hearts, no matter what is going on around us. We, frankly, so quickly turn to making things around us give us what we need. I want to tell you, church, that that's not the primary response. Our primary response should be turning to Him. As you face limits, as you face your sin, your depravity, as you face your weaknesses, nobody likes that. As you face your failures, right? We turn to God. That's our way forward. I want, I want to explain it to you and share with that, share with you that this morning. Um, so, if you want to turn to Matthew chapter four, okay. Matthew chapter 4, verses 1 through 17. This is the temptation of Jesus. And right after his temptation, uh, he gives he starts preaching. Matthew's account starts preaching. And he talks about repentance. And I want to bring this up and just kind of make this a little practical for you and give you some guides this morning. And, and I want you to know this is something that I embody, I practice, I model. This isn't just some theological concept. This is how I live my life and how what I believe where I was able to survive following him all these years. Um, so let's read in chapter, Matthew chapter 4, verses 1 through 17. I know it's kind of long here, but I want to read this to give you some context. It's the temptation of Jesus, and then he talks about repenting. Uh, this is what uh, Jesus says. Or this is what Matthew writes. Says, Jesus was led by the Spirit into the desert to be tempted by the devil. Anybody else feel like you're in a desert, right? After 40, fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. I could add there, after a year and a half of pandemic, you're pretty starving and hungry too. The tempter came to him, the enemy, the devil, and says, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. That's the quick fix. Chapter, verse four. Jesus says, well, it's written, man doesn't live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. And the devil takes him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest one of the temple. If you're the son of God, he said, throw yourself down. For it's written, he will command his angels concerning you. And they will lift you up in their hands, so that you will not strike your foot against the stone. Now, Jesus says, it's also written, don't put your Lord God to the test. Verse 8. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give you if you will bow down and worship me. Verse 10. Away from me, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. And the devil left him, and angels came and tended to him. And this is verse 12. Uh, says this, when Jesus heard that John had been put in prison, he returned to Galilee. Leaving Nazareth, he went and lived in Capernaum, which was by the lake in the area of Zebulun and Naphtali, to fulfill what was said through the prophet Isaiah. The land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, away to the sea along the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people living in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, the light is dawn. Verse 17 this is important here. From that time on, Jesus began to do what? He began to preach something, a message. Repent, turn, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. And then Jesus goes and calls some disciples to follow him. Uh, it strikes me that when Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, they never repented. It strikes me that they saw God, walked with him, uh, that had relationship with him, and then they turn from him, they disobey him, eat the fruit of the tree they're not supposed to eat, and then God searches for them. They don't go to him, he searches for them, uh, and he says, where are you? And then they blame each other on who did what and what happened, and then there's a curse that happens and they get punished, and, and, and there's no repentance. Go back and read it. There's no repentance. 
It just strikes me. Here we are, this thing that happens, you feel shame, naked, and I feel the first piece of suffering right there. They're gonna have to work the brow, the sweat of their brow, right? They're gonna, this thing's gonna start happening and there's no actual repentance that happens there. Okay. It's the next story, Cain and Abel, right? Uh, there's no repentance there either. Cain's a murderer, his own brother. That's a, uh, you know, kind of a big deal. There's no repentance there. As you kind of go along through the Old Testament in Genesis, repentance actually isn't a theme. Covenant is and promises and God introduces himself, but repentance actually isn't. And go into Exodus and they're in oppression and suffering and it's like crazy things are happening and, and God frees them and sends Moses and um, Moses has some times where he turns to God and these things, but you're not really seeing repentance happen. And then as they go through the, children, the wilderness and then they're starting some suffering and then God uses some things that turn their hearts back to him and then we see them go through a period of uh, when they do finally get their land and then they have kings and they still they sin against God then repentance kind of enters the pictures and God says, you know, you've got to turn from your ways. It's fine interesting that at the beginning with the story of sin it's not repentance and then here's Jesus on the scene and he is suffering. He's hungry. He went through this time of fasting, and we all know if you've ever done any fasting, it's like, oh my goodness, I'm not going to make the night. You know, I've got to eat, right? Uh, he's weak, right? Jesus is 100% human. He's weak physically, right? Uh, and, and it's all connected. Your mind, your body, your spirit, it's all connected. So when if you're really hungry and you're feeling weak, it's hard to make the right choice, right? We all tell us this before growing up, hey, eat breakfast before you go to school, kids, right? So you can think, right? Grab a candy bar before you take that test, right? It's all connected, and so Jesus is weak here. And what he first faces is uh, this uh, opportunity to use his power, I guess, to eat something, to feel better. It's pleasure, feeling better. And Jesus says no. Uh, and then he faces an, an opportunity of you know, putting God to the test here, and it's an opportunity of, to show his power and an opportunity uh, to do something on his timeline. And Jesus says no. And the third thing, he's in a, has going to give an opportunity to be the king. Uh, but to be the king, not in God's way. God's way for him to be, eventually be the king was suffering the cross, crucifixion, awful things, to be a humble servant. And the devil offers him all kinds of power and position, but skipping the process. And Jesus says, no. And then Jesus says, when he um, begins his ministry, he says, turn. Repent, right? Uh, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The kingdom of heaven is near. Uh, what you can't see is really more powerful than what you can see. And the connection I want to make for you there is Jesus had a posture of, of turning towards the Father. In his physical pain, uh, in his uh, opportunity to skip processes and go his own time level, uh, time timetable, Oh boy, what a temptation to do that. If I could go back in life and skip some things, whoo, I got a list, right? Uh, you think about skipping pain. He had this opportunity, but because he's turned towards the Father, he doesn't react. He can respond. And when Jesus says, hey, the kingdom of heaven is a hand repent, we may say, all, we wanted to say all kinds of things probably. The disciples sure did. When the disciples and his early followers uh, understood that Jesus was 
the Messiah, they thought Messiah king, physical king. And so they're like, all right, hurry up. Let's gather an army and make this happen. We want your way to be the way. We want your way to be the law, so let's make it happen. We don't have to live under this emperor and this rule any longer. Jesus didn't do that. What he says is, here's the key, it's just to turn to him. To turn to God. What about all these things we need to fix? What about all the suffering that we want to end? What about all these laws that are just ungodly? What about these values and morals in this early church that are just, or not early church, but in this uh, Bible times that are just awful? Don't we gotta fix all that? Don't we have to stop all that? Jesus, shouldn't we use our resources and our power to make that better for the whole, for our disciples, for our brothers and sisters, for this early following you've got going on? And Jesus says, turn to God. This seems out of place. It seems impractical. But what Jesus ultimately is saying is, you gotta get this. You've gotta take your eyes off this awful things that are just, you think like you have to go away and remember your ultimate answer is to turn towards God and to do life his way. To figure out a way to do his life, or to do uh, his way in your life, in this life as it currently is. We don't fix our life before we say yes to Jesus. We don't make everything perfect before we say I'm going to give my life to you just so you can have everything in my life. Repentance actually is the key. Turning to God and turning away from our ways. So when we do suffer, when we do face confusion, when we do wonder what's ahead, when we do worry, when we do fail, make those things, uh, those words came out of our mouth that shouldn't have come out of our mouth, when we do seek pleasure away from God and other earthly things, right? When it gets too much for us and we cope, when we want to run instead of wait on Him, the answer is, is to turn to him. Okay. In the Old Testament, the sacrificial system was, you know, a, a, a sacrifice of an animal, uh, and this animal would then be slaughtered on behalf of the people. And there's some cultural things there, contextually, were happening in that system of religion as well. Uh, but one thing is important is that it cost the people something when they sinned. Jesus then became that sacrifice, so that. He was that, he paid the price, that cost. But also, when you raise something uh, or something, this, these animals that are yours and then you sacrifice it, it's sacrificed, there's a connection emotional there that this thing died because of what you did. We all face those moments where something happens because of what we said or did and we're like, oh my goodness, my actions cost this. There is a connection to what you did, how you feel about it and what it cost. And so Jesus becomes that. And on the cross, Jesus is that sacrifice. And was the cross is it in this private setting? No, it was public. It's so embarrassing the disciples bailed on him. And this is so, so important that repentance and turning to God is actually seeing our sin. That it's ugly and it's awful and it feels terrible. When we skip that part, it's hard to repent. So repentance is a turning, and it's a turning when we experience our sin. Uh, I don't know how biblical it is to forget your sin. I didn't say have it define your life. I didn't say have it be the number one thing that causes shame in your life. I'm just saying, you know, if we, maybe we didn't forget some of our sin, that maybe it would cause us to recognize we need a Savior and keep turning towards, towards Him. I have thought about things, I've, mistakes I've made over my 20 years of following Him. Maybe if we don't forget all these things, that... 
maybe it'll cause us to just be humble to seek his help to not do it again okay uh, I actually believe that repentance becomes kind of this uh, a gateway kind of for this experience of God and humanity uh, so quickly let me tell you a couple things that repentance is okay uh, repentance is a gracious invitation to experience God's gracious nature. Repentance is a gracious invitation to experience, it's not just up here, experience God's gracious nature. Not until you turn will you be able to experience God who forgives and who loves you and who doesn't give you what you deserve, but rather blesses you and gives you what you don't deserve. Repentance is that invitation for you. Okay. Uh, repentance is necessary to stay in relationship with God. When there are two people together, uh, and one of them is us, okay? Uh, we're the sinners, we make mistakes, we're the lesser. Uh, turning to Him, feeling sorrowful, and, and turning from those our ways and our sin against God is necessary to stay in relationship with Him. So if you feel distant from God, one way to reconnect this again is repentance. I'll have you with a prayer here in a second. Uh, next, rep uh, repentance is an invitation to God, for God to transform us. I wish I could solve my problems. But listen, I can't. We're not powerful enough. Okay? But repentance becomes you know, an invitation for God to transform us. And if He really is sovereign and all-powerful, it's an invitation for him to transform us. Uh, repentance is a posture, I would say. It is an attitude. It's kind of like your uh, heartbeat, position. It's like we're just pointed to God. Jesus embodies this in his moments of temptation. He's just, this is his posture. He's towards the Father, okay? Um, and repentance is a discovery of who God can be. That's what repentance turns into. It, it, you're going to discover a God who will actually help you when you weren't doing it for yourself. Okay? So as you look upon this past year and a half, I want to ask you a couple questions. These are really good, and I'll post them somewhere, to help you with repentance. And you think, what do I repent of? Like this or that? Well, here's a few core things that are scriptural that you can repent of in this past year and a half, but really for your whole entire life. These are things that I have done repentance on for decades, and I wanna encourage you and tell you that you've gotta have this a part of your, your rhythm, your discipline of repentance, okay? Uh, first of all is who you look to for security, okay? Who you look for to security. So in your time this week, or the next couple months, take some time, Okay, God, who did I look to for security this past year and a half? Who or what? Okay. Uh, this is a core thing, idolatry. of You know, we look for someone else to be a refuge, and we look to someone else. You know, so often, I'll tell you this, so often when your uh, boat is rocking, we look to the person rocking the boat. Let's appease that person so the boat stops rocking. That's what we do. We do it in marriage. We do it in parenting. We do it in our workplace, don't we? Just keep our boss happy, we'll be fine. Or keep the person who checks after us happy, we'll be fine. Right? Whatever's rocking the boat, if that would just go away, we'll be good. Be careful, church, 
that when we look for security in whatever is shaking us, that is not God? You want to be real careful with that. We want a police force or we want the government to stop doing these things. You just have to be careful with that. What or who do you look for for security? Uh, who do you look to for provision? Or what do you look for for provision? I get it. Your paycheck comes from your, bo your, your boss, your, your company, your business you work for. Maybe you have your own business. Your provision comes from you, okay? I want to be real, real careful with that. Through the Old Testament especially, uh, it was uh, God was trying to remind them that He's their provider. <laughs> and He made the whole world, so He's their provider. Having chat with my kids about something rather about food and they really like what they're eating. It's like, yeah, you know where this comes from? You know, it comes from God. This food comes from God. I mean, he's our provider. It comes from him. Who do you look to for provision? Uh, so oftentimes when we don't get, you know, what we want, that's when we turn into sinful ways. Um, I think sometimes when it comes to providing for yourself in your own time, it's really hard for us to wait, okay? Who or what do you look to for love? Right? This is a need we have. Who do you look to or what do you look to for love? Uh, we just have this, this piece of devotion. What can you repent of in this past year and a half? You're so devoted to. So devoted to that person coming over. Couldn't come over. So devoted to your holiday traditions. Oh my goodness, we couldn't do any of our holiday traditions, right? Uh, so devoted to, uh, you know, having that certain people in your life give you what you need and then they stopped, right? Uh, devoted to comfort in a way of life. That all was taken away. Devotion is something that connects your like, heart. You're just like in this thing, right? Who, do you, who or what did you look to for love? Again, these are questions you can use your whole life. Who do you or what have you looked to for your standards? Who? this is a hard one. Is it state of Oregon? That's my standard? Health authority? Um, you know, is it the church? Whatever Pastor Nell says is the standards or the standards? The scripture? What about your interpretation versus my interpretation of scripture? Who or what do you look to for standards? I will tell you, I, in my experience, I found that oftentimes people just want to be told what the standard is. Because there's a sense of security in somebody, being, somebody else being sure about it and just being able to follow that and say, well, this person's sure, so I'm good. I'm careful with that. Uh, what happens is we will go down the road of disobedience and we don't even know we're disobeying God's desire. Um, who do you look to or what do you look to for your standards? Have you waited on God to hear from Him? Have you pondered? Have you waited on that? Um, who do you look to for dependence or what have you looked to for dependence? Maybe it has been a substance. Maybe it has been something uh, lustful. Uh, maybe it has been sleep. Let me just sleep 15 hours a day and I'll feel better, right? Uh, maybe, this is a pride piece. Who or what have you been depending on? Typically over this past year, I'm sure you saw when something was ripped away from you, you saw how you were dependent on it. You didn't even know it. I was just so dependent on having church. It's so awesome, right? And we can't do it for months. We didn't get to have church. I'm like, man, what am I dependent on here? Is it on the gathering? Is it God? What is it? And then the last one here is, who do you look to for justice? And what I mean by that is resentment. Uh, I think a lot uh, over this past year, maybe we've thought, man, has God forgotten me? I've done all these good things. I've done the right thing. This is so hard. Why me? You know, how come this happened to me? Haven't I done the right things, God? I'm going to be real careful that we don't just even look to ourselves for justice and just our own minds of what, oh, this would be right. Be careful, you know, uh, with that in, in senses of like, 
resentment that builds in bitterness, repent. Turn from the justice of your own making that you are the judge, jury, and executioner. Get off that seat, okay? Recognize that it's in God's timeline, God's timetable. Recognize he's not done yet. See, this is true justice. Recognize that he's sovereign and he's not done yet and he gets the final say, right? Uh, I really believe the repentance becomes turning from what we thought life was about to who life really is about. That's what I think really repentance does. Okay? Uh, let me close with uh, three things to make this super practical for you. So a, those are a lot of questions there. But I want to give you just three things on really what repentance will look like in your life as a discipline, okay? There's three parts, three parts to this. The first part is listen. Isaiah 55.3 says this, Incline your ear and come to me. This is a prophecy from the Lord. Incline your ear and come to me. Listen that you may live, and I will make an everlasting covenant with you according to the faithful mercy shown to David. So here's how repentance actually looks in your life as a discipline. Listen. When someone criticized you recently, did you take it to God? When you felt worry or pain, when you got scared, did you come to God and just listen? Did you come to God with nothing on the plate, nothing on the agenda, nothing on the prayer list, and just listen? Listen, and listening is a posture and attitude towards God. How we turn in repentance is first is listen. You've been busy with all these other things. You're listening to all the professionals. You're listening to all the pastors, right? You're listening to all your authority figures. You're listening to all your parents. You're listening to all these people. You're listening to all your friends. Repentance and turning to God is when we primarily listen to God and put Him in that place in our life. Three parts of repentance here. Listen. Five minutes of silence a day. Great way to do some listening. You bring every criticism, every whatever that's happened in your life, you just bring it to him and you listen. You say, God, this hurts. I'm frustrated. I'm worried. And then you listen. In the Old Testament, repentance is connected to turning your ear so you, he, you can hear him. Uh, so listen, the second part. Second here it is. Is wait. Psalm 27, 14. Wait for the Lord. David writes, wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. If you want to repent, and this is a discipline, and exercise, you want to kind of get through this mess you've been in this past year and a half, practical thing you'll have to do in repentance is to wait. This is probably the worst one for me. I can listen, but the waiting part drives me nuts. Wait. Meaning, don't fix it. Okay? Don't find that solution that you think is a solution. Can you wait? Wait till you really feel like God gave you a solution? Can you wait and let it die? Why do you resurrect that which God wanted to die in your life anyhow? Wait. Uh, this is all through the Old Testament. When you turn to God, now there's listening. You turn your ear away from the culture and away from all the noise, and you turn to Him. And then you wait. As David writes in Psalm 27, all kinds of things going on, he says, I'm going to wait on the Lord. 
I've got power, I've got money, I've got position, but I'm going to wait. Wait, church. You're not repenting. You're not in repentance. You don't have that heart posture unless you can wait. It's hard for me to wait. My skin starts itching. I feel like I can't even sit still right now. I've got to go do something. It's hard for me to sit at home alone and not do nothing. Right? Wait. How many times we try to fix something in this past year and a half? I even think when you know, the pandemic first happened and we couldn't have church, all the things I tried to fix. Could I just wait it for a month and do nothing? Why can't I just wait? A problem you're having, um, some of the failure you're experiencing of what you did or you can't do, whatever, wait, okay? The third part is I don't believe that you are repenting or you can repent if you're unwilling to stop something. This is a common verse, 1 Chronicles 7, 14. My people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and heal their land. Uh, you cannot turn to God without turning from something else. You cannot turn to God without stopping something you are doing. Okay? Uh, the book of Judges is, uh, a, there's a, a cycle that happens and this is before they have a king past exodus uh there are people but they don't have uh, a king yet and uh the lord raises up these judges to handle what's going on and this is from judges chapter two it says the lord raised up judges who saved them out of the hands of these raiders these uh, other nations verse 17 yet they would not listen here's a listening part listening to their judges but prostituted themselves to other gods and worshiped them they quickly turned from the ways of their ancestors who had being obedient to the Lord's commands. Whenever the Lord raised up judge for them, this is a cycle, he raised up a judge for them, he was with the judge and saved them out of the hands of their enemies as long as the judge lived. For the Lord relented because they were groaning under those who oppressed and afflicted them. When the judge died, the people returned to the ways even more, corrupt and of their ancestors, following other gods and serving and worshiping them. And they refused to give up their evil practices to stubborn ways. Okay. You gotta stop something. You gotta listen, okay? You've gotta wait, and you gotta stop something. I can't tell you what that is. I'm not gonna tell you what that is. You can hear from God on that, but you, you gotta stop something. You're not repenting, you're not turning, you're not really feeling the burden, the pain of your harm towards God and others if you can't stop something. Uh, listen, wait, Stop. Stop something. Turn from some way. Uh, you could start with some little things, um, but you're going to have to stop something. Help. You'll hear from God, and he'll lead you in what to stop. I've done different things over the course of my life, but you can't be, have this attitude and this posture of repentance without stopping something. And it may not be sin for somebody else. Maybe it's sin for you. Uh, you've got to stop something. And that's one thing I have done this past year and a half is stop several things. And it's been so good for me. Listen, wait, and stop something. I promise I'll close this. The last thing I want to tell you is if you would incorporate repentance into this pandemic, if you'll incorporate and include uh, turning to God in the middle of social distancing, restrictions, things being closed, maybe you've had some financial struggles, uh, just the exhaustion. If, if you can include and put some repentance, put a posture and attitude of turning towards God, put some waiting, put some listening, and some stopping in this, 
I want to tell you this is going to happen. I proclaim it, okay? You're going to feel some relief. Because repentance and turning towards God, our ultimate love and source, and, and what true life, who true life really is, what true life really is, it's relieving. And sin is a burden that's so heavy. And the effects of it. Suffering's so heavy. Man, it's heavy. Um, but sin is actually a burden that he wants to take off your shoulders. Repentance is relieving. Doesn't relief sound so good right now? Oh, man. Repentance is healing. Uh, I want to tell you, you cannot heal yourself. You can't. Uh, healing comes from the healer, which is our Lord. Repentance is healing. I believe in self-care. I want to care for myself, and repentance is on my self-care list because it's healing. When I turn to God, when I listen, when I wait, when I stop whatever I'm doing that's harmful. It's healing, church. Uh, repentance is freeing. Uh, it is so freeing to be able to just be yourself. And I'm going to say that you really can't be your full authentic self anywhere besides the presence of God. I'm just going to throw that out there. We do the best we can. We try, but listen, we all have masks, okay? I want to tell you, if you truly want to feel freedom, uh, it's being totally yourself in repentance towards God. You just can turn to him. Here I am. Here it all is. It's freeing. It's so freeing. <clears throat> Think about the last year and a half. Don't you want some relief? Don't you want some healing, some help? And don't you want some freedom? Now I know we're chasing freedom from having to wear a mask or freedom from having business closed or freedom from, I just want to know what's going to happen next month, right? I can't even do that playing vacations or whatever, I mean, careful church, I want to tell you, your answer to this is to turn towards the Father. Your answer to this is to listen to Him. Your answer to this is to wait upon Him. Your answer to this mess that we're all in, every one of us, is to stop something, okay, in our life. Uh, I believe that repentance is that doorway, and and I believe the repentance isn't an, is not an introduction to God. It's a rhythm for life. So I want to pray for you, church. And uh, I want to just pray a prayer of repentance. You make up your own, but this is mine. Uh, this is how I pray in my private place, in my quiet place. This is how I prayed for, gosh, 20 years in following Jesus and repenting. Uh, I've repented... In, in an altar at church, I've repented during worship time, I've repented in my car, I've repented in my prayer closet. I'm at, this is a part. This is because it's just turning to God. So I want to pray for you, and then after, uh, Liz will give us, uh, sh uh, lead us in one more psalm, but I just want to lead you into repentance, and I'm going to do some other things over the next months to help you with this as well. Let's pray. I come to you, Jesus. I come to you, Father, because you love me. I come to you because you love me. I come to you because you love me. I come to you because you love me, you love me, you love me, you love me. You created me, you've made me, and, and you love me, and I'm safest right here. There's no safer place on earth than just being right here, my face towards you. Lord, I just humble myself. Uh, would you show me my sin? Would you show me my sin? It's going to be embarrassing and hurt, but would you show me, Lord, reveal it to me. Test me and try me. 
what is the muck and the grossness in my life that you just want to heal and free me from? Show me, Lord. And Father, the sin that I do know of, that I have experienced a sorrow over, um, here it is. Here's the things I haven't done well this past year and a half. Here's how I just reacted instead of responded. Uh, here's how I, re I reacted out of shame and pain and fear and loneliness and not out of your love and grace and mercy. I'm sorry, God. I, I express, Lord, today is my sorrow. I'm sorry to you first and foremost. Would you please forgive me? You're so good. You didn't deserve that. You got my back. You got your eye on me. You know it all. You're holding the boat. Even when it's rocking, you're holding the seas that the boat's floating on. Lord, you're holding this whole planet that just hangs in the middle of space. Forgive me, Lord. Why did I turn to these other things? Why? Forgive me. I want to turn to you for everything. I truly want you to be all I want, all I need, all I have. I just surrender myself, God. I surrender my way. I'm so smart, God, I feel sometimes, but I know I'm not. I surrender my way. I surrender my knowledge. I surrender my thoughts. I surrender my actions. I surrender my reactions. I surrender the hold that my emotions have on me, God, that take me away from you sometimes. I just turn to you, and I want to, I want to just tell you I need your help, God, to keep facing you. I need your help, God, to keep facing you when it gets hard, when I get scared, when I feel alone, when I feel too stressed out thinking about what I did or what I can't do or what I'm powerless to do. Uh, God, would you please help me to stay looking at you? Help me, Lord, with this thing that you want me to stop. It seems impossible, Lord. God, would you help me with what you want me to stop? I thank you for your grace. I thank you for your love. And today, Lord, I receive your grace. And I know you will help me. And I know you are with me. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm gonna invite Liz to lead us in this last song. Church, I'm here to, for you. Reach out to me, I'd love to pray with you. I'd love to pray with you about things in your life. Encourage you, know that I care about you. Bless you and have a great week.